I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popshow podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hello and welcome along to the Pop Culture Podcast. Nope, <laughs> scratch that, reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Richard, Richard, my beautiful husband. I'm just kidding. It's because it's we're so, we're best friends, so I call him my husband sometimes. Uh, <laughs> not not to not usually to his face though. Um, welcome, welcome to our podcast, Richard. You look well. You Thank look rested. You. I'm I'm not. Mm. I haven't slept I in sarcastic. two weeks. I've been too busy watching bloody Men in Black films. Four? Four of them. Yeah, four of them, but <laughs> yeah, four oh, your sorry. podcasts. I, I thought you were dead. I, yeah, I, I did not Correct, AJ. On. Yes. yes One, two. two, three, four. One, two, three, international. <laughs> That's how I count now. <laughs> Based on the, the men in black numbering scheme. <laughs> Welcome to the Cold Posh Podcast, everybody. This is Film Franchise Fortnights, where we cover a different franchise every fortnight. And, and- we're your hosts. Jones and Martin. Jones and Martin, as referred to in a new article from Slash Film. We also appeared on uh, Letterbox today, which is just as cool, but less surprising if you know anything yeah, about yeah. us. I, um, I forgot to tell you, um, one of my like um, PR contacts who works in film in New Zealand messaged me to say, that they saw that and well and loved it. Loved it. That's very good. Yes. So we've been all over the show um, talking about Barbie in light of the new film and the fact that we have seen forty two others. Mm. Um, and so if you want to hear us rank them, talk about them, whatever, you can read an article on Letterboxd. You can watch a video on Letterboxd, and now you can read an article in which we were interviewed for for Slash Film. Or you uh, can listen which, to an eighteen hour podcast. That's true. And I thought the Slash Film um, article came out. Out today and no it did come out boy today. does it does it huh it did what? you, you, you said did. you thought it came out today and i can confirm it did thank you <laughs> uh and yeah it was it makes us look very academic <laughs> it makes us look very cool it refers to us by our last names said uh, which is <laughs> which is very fun i get called a alexander aj jones mm. twice in the thing, uh, and it has some some pull quotes that is like, "I'm so grateful that BJ took the smartest things we said in that yeah. uh, that hour long interview and left out all of the dumb things um, we said." I as like well. movies. <laughs> and Barbie was uh, silly. <laughs> Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Barbie is, we're talking about Barbie and the whole world's talking about Barbie. Why don't we talk about men for once? <laughs> Which if you've seen Barbie, um, is actually fairly in line thematically with Barbie, I guess. Yeah, they do talk um, about but- men a lot in that film. 
Um, but specifically men in black. And I, d- I nearly said black men, which <laughs> one of them happens to be, but that's not why I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the, this is uh, Film Franchise Four Nights. And yeah, we're discussing the men in black films. If you haven't seen them or you don't know the titles of them, we're talking about men in black, which came out in 1997, followed five years later in 2002 with men in black two stylized with Roman numerals and then Men in mm. Black 3 not stylized with Roman numerals 10 years it's later It's an alien cubed situation. Mm. And then uh, Men in Black International which came out in 2019 which is sort of a standalone sequel spin-off sort of thing. Uh, uh, what do you reckon? A soft soft reboot? Is that what we call a soft reboot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's set a, in the same universe but brand new characters. Yeah, yeah, Except one who returns point. and you'll never guess who's the character that returns for Men in Black International. I reckon I could guess. I guess I guess so. It's just such a random like- Because I've seen it. Yeah, right. Well, you've seen it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember seeing the trailer as well. So, yeah, Men in Black 1987, directed by one of your favourite directors, AJ. One of my favourite directors. The, the mastermind, the auteur behind 2002's Big Trouble, starring Tim yep. Allen, Renee Russo, um, which is like uh, a Zoe film Deschanel. version of Arrested Development. It's like a film version of Arrested Justin Long. Um, There's a bit t- where he says, Was that a goat? He says, Oh, Patrick Warburton, Janine Garofalo is in this, this thing. Yeah. DJ Wiles uh, is in the movie. You're good it doesn't, DJ it keeps uh, Johnny Knoxville, My Name is Earl, is in the Gabrielle from Modern Families, and Stanley Tucci is Martha Stewart. Is in the movie. <laughs> it's got uh, an all-star yeah. cast. One of the worst movies it. I've ever seen, and it's what? <laughs> uh, and it was bookended by Barry Sonnenfeld making Men in Black 1 and 2. Those were the films <laughs> he did immediately before and after. And, yeah, if you're wondering what he's up to these days, his most recent film uh, was Nine Lives. Do you mm. remember that film, AJ? Yes, uh, also called Mr. Fluffy Pants or something like yeah, that. something like that, which was the film which uh, resulted in... Uh, Kevin Spacey's cancellation. A lot of people think it was the sexual assaults. It was that film. <laughs> oh wow, interesting. I, I do you know what He's I actually, believe? It's currently in an, on, an ongoing court case um, about that film. I believe. Mm. I actually think that it should have been the sexual assaults that cancelled him, and not just as bad movie. That's that's just what I believe. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. I, I reckon that's a good call. <laughs> Men in Black, Barry Sonnenfeld. You know what? For a director who, like, you probably couldn't, <laughs> like, pick his face out of a crowd. Very idiosyncratic style, I think, because he's also done, like, Get Shorty or whatever it's called. And- yeah, so there was – Men in Black was supposed to be earlier, um, but then they went to other directors and, you know, because he was doing Get Shorty and then they were just waiting for him to do it. And, mm. yeah, he did the Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values yeah. as well. Yeah. It's a good, it's, it's, you know, whether you like Big Trouble or you don't, it's a respectable filmography in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. Interestingly, though, you saw he, he did get shorty, but he didn't do the sequel, Be Cool. Do you know who directed Be Cool? Who directed Be Cool? If Gary Gray. No kidding! Yeah. He directed Men in Black International along yeah, with so the Fast Second and the time Furious. he's got in a Barry Sonnenfeld's. Sloppy seconds. He did, yeah, he did Fate of the Furious. Was the I did, he did Fate of the Furious. I beg your pardon. And uh, Straight Outta Compton was sort of his, like, because uh, I mean, yes, obviously yes. he was working before that, but that was the one that was, like, really put him on the map and yes. got him these franchise films. Yes. 
So, AJ, Men in Black, 1987, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. What is it about? Well, Richard, what if I told you that there was a secret organization of men, mainly men, wearing black suit suits who sort of, like, are the uh, govern the, like, uh, existence, but also, like, permission of uh, of extraterrestrials coming to Earth. Like, it's like a... It's almost like a um immigration system, mm. or or they're almost like an airport, but they also, you know, follow up oh, on the crimes. police for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the police. They're the airport and the police. <laughs> they're the TSA. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we mainly follow a couple of these men in black. One is named Agent K, played by Tommy Lee Jones, um, who at the start of the film, his partner, uh, you know, is slow to draw and decides he doesn't want to be a man in black anymore. And so he gets neuralized where all his memories get wiped. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and while this is happening, K spots a young man played by one Willius Smithus, uh, who he sees a sort of potential in, so he recruits him to be a man in black. He becomes Agent J, and the two must take out a giant termite alien that has come mm. to Earth and threatens to destroy everything we hold dear. He is played by Vincent D'Onofrio in an incredible and an incredible performance that is quite reminiscent, I thought, of one Bificus Tannen. From Back to the Future, which we recovered, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the sense, and maybe more Mad Dog Tannen, and and the sense that it's like a really like, oh, this is the the role you'd want to play. If, if oh, you were acting I, I get what movie. you mean, but I don't know that. Like, I think he would be too much effort to play. The way he's always like, well, maybe maybe that's what's so great about the performance. Then is that it, 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 at the yeah. start it shows that the termite alien has like literally eaten this guy's insides and is wearing his skin as a suit. Mm. And throughout the movie, it's quite convincing that that's what's happened. Like, yeah. spe- aside from the special effects, yeah, like yeah, and, and it, his face is all sunken. Weird, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so good. <laughs> it's great. It's a fantastic performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they defeat it. And then at the end, Agent K is like, hey, l- listen, man, I've seen horrors uh, beyond your comprehension. I I've would like to. things you wouldn't believe. Yeah. I've I would like to. Ships off the. You the can do. Tannhauser Gate. Tannhauser Gate, bro. Yes. <laughs> the Orion. Yes, Richard. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he's like, neuralize me, I used baby. To know that whole speech. And so Will Smith. Neuralizes Tommy Lee Jones, brings the mortician on board who he's got a crush on to be a woman in black. Mm, uh, and also, we'll be rip, seeing a lot more of her. <laughs> rip Torn is also there mm. as Agent Z. Uh, that's the movie. And then uh, Will Smith did music to the, the, the single yeah, for it. Yeah, what do you think of the theme song for this movie? Here comes the man in black. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of yeah. fun. I actually know all the words to it. Regale me. The good guys dress in black. Remember okay. that, just in okay. case we're ever face-to-face and make contact. The title yes. held by me, M-I-B, means what you think you saw, you did not see. So yes. don't blink, be warned, was there is now gone. Black suits with the black Ray-Bans on. Walk in shadows, move in silence, guard against extraterrestrial violence. But we aren't on no government list. We straight don't exist. No names mm. and no fingerprints. Saw something strange, watch you back. Because we never quite know where the M-I-Bs is at, uh. And Richard, as you were rapping that, what I was doing was nodding my head 
Yeah. Uh, because, Let me see you nod your head. <laughs> because the bat black, suits are coming. The bat suits. The bat suits. <laughs> the bat suits. <laughs> the bat suits are coming. <laughs> Did you see that picture on Twitter of a Barbie Batman cosplay? And it was like someone tweeted being like, oh my God, this Barbie Batman cosplay didn't have to go this hard. You know, saw this at San Diego Comic Con. And all the replies are just like, did you not tell the AI about 9-11? Because you could clearly see the Twin Towers in the background of Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Speaking that's, of- That's um, awesome. I think that's, that's something I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 9-11 will come back up on this podcast as well. Yes! Because the second film came out in 2002. And like all films in 2002, for, for some reason, they originally planned to have their climax happen at the World Trade Center. I, and I mean, it's, there's also just sort of a- You're, you're certainly reminded of 9-11 watching Men in Black. Black one because mm. it's set in New York and there is at least off the top of my head one hero shot of the Twin Towers in the background when mm. Jay is delivering an alien baby from the back of a car and it goes all tentacly yeah, on yeah. Which is like, I, I didn't know the World Trade Center before 9-11. Yeah, you I, were like, like, eight years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, like, yeah, that's my point. Like, <laughs> all right. so, I, thought, like, I thought you were like making like trying to be like, it's funny how like <laughs> it's like it didn't exist till it didn't exist. <laughs> well, but it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, looking back and just seeing that, like, just how iconic of a skyline that was mm. for you know, and I mean, this everyone knows this, but like, yeah, that it's like literally everything in New York mm. had that in it. Mm. And and made a point of like this is how you know it's New York. And I I literally yeah. just rewatched an old episode of After Hours on Cracked that was about how nine eleven changed all the sitcoms because all the sitcoms for some reason were set in New York and then nine eleven happened and none of none them of mentioned, them mentioned it. it. And then all the new sitcoms moved away from New York. Isn't that depressing? Like mm. like if they were they were, you know Joey came out after Friends and he went to California <laughs> and you know like like that's that's literally moving the show and it's mm. it's kind of sad because it, it totally would have been you're pitching a new show and it's just like I don't think we can set this in New York at the moment. <laughs> you yeah, well, no no one's yeah like yeah yeah we can't we can't have fun in this city. Mm, yeah and it's it's kind of depressing but I'm sure there's plenty of shows set in New York now. So get over it. Uh, yeah, not New York's 9/11, got enough shows. Just, yeah. just the fact that you, not all the shows are set there. Yeah. So uh, interestingly, I, I didn't. I knew this was obviously. You know, this film's obviously a big hit. It got a sequel and everything. But yeah, I mean, this was the third highest grossing film of 1997 and the ninth highest grossing film of the 90s. An original fucking film. Yeah, that I mean, it's, it, to be fair, it's based on comics, but yeah, I but, mean, but the, we, I feel like, I feel like when we talk about everything as a sequel or a remake, yeah. we allow for that. We allow if it's okay if it's based on something. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the MCU kind of muddies the water these days. It's okay. Like, let me rephrase. We, it's okay if it's based on something small, yeah. like a small thing. Then, then it still counts as an original IP. Like y- your average, your average film goer isn't going to this because they're a fan of the comics or no, the existing exactly. lore. And, and also like the MCU, because you'd be like, oh, Shang-Chi did really well, even though that's based on a comic no one's heard of, but it's like, yeah, it's, even though it's the first film of the Shang-Chi franchise, mm. it's like- We know why you MCU. went to see it. It's because yeah. of those white letters on that red square. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the crazy. So, I mean, the other two films that grossed more in, the, mm. in 1907, can you guess what they are? 97. Jurassic- uh, Lost World Jurassic Park? Mm-hmm. Yes, man. Uh, and Armageddon. 
No. No? Am what I close? Was Armageddon was later because it was trying to recapture the magic of Deep Impact. No. <laughs> Wait, what's it called? Event Titanic. Horizon. Oh, Titanic. <laughs> I was guessing <laughs> of the other movie that was like- yeah. Yeah. No, because Armageddon was like, oh, we'll, we'll do a big romantic epic uh, yeah, r- oh, you know, based oh, around a disaster. Oh, are you Pearl talking Harbor about Pearl Harbor? <laughs> I guess Armageddon is that as well. Um, I mean, Armageddon was, was yeah, I st- still I, at least marketed anyway in the mm. wake of like, we've got a big love theme and, mm, you know. Mm. But yeah, so made $589 million at the box office, uh, which I-, I Pumped into a little inflation calculator is one point one billion apparently in today's money, and it, yeah, I mean it set like a bunch of records. It, at the time, it was the third highest opening weekend of all time behind Batman Forever and the Lost World Jurassic Park, which had only been a few months earlier. And yeah, it was the biggest three day Fourth of July opening weekend, surpassing Independence Day, which is you know, oh nice, July. interesting, and yeah, the largest July opening weekend and the highest opening weekend for a non sequel film. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, I mean, how cool is that? Like the this this kind of thing. You, okay, you know what room this movie shares a space in my mind with? R.I.P.D. No, why do you? Why would you say that? <laughs> is that a sonnet failed as well? No, it just feels like it was trying to be the next Men of Black. Ah, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, there, there's no. a sequel to R.I.P.D. It came out like last year. Wow, what's it called? Uh, I don't know. It has a subtitle though. Do you know R.I.P.D. Mo- is a movie that I could have very easily not known about. I I heard about it on a podcast. It's called like. Rise of the Damned. It doesn't have anyone from the original in it. So I reckon this movie belongs in the same room in my brain as our beloved Jumanji sequels, Richard. I reckon that oh, the, yeah. the way the way I love Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle and The Next Level feels similar to the way that I loved watching this movie wow. last week. You, f- you love Men in Black. I loved Men in Black. I did, Do and, critics you know, agree with you? What is what does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I reckon we're scoring very high on Rotten Tomatoes, Richard. I reckon we're ninety. Let's go ninety-seven as is the year. There you go. No, I think this is a great movie. And here's the bomb. You ready for the bomb? I think this might have been the first time I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I've definitely when I was a kid. I remember Vincent D'Onofrio pu- pulling his face back and being terrified yeah. of that, <clears throat> and I remember. The, like, like, I've seen it then. What? So, so, and I remember like the wonky CGI on the termite monster. And I remember uh, Will Smith neuralizing. I remember bits of it. But as mm. this movie started, and it's this really cool, like, end of the, of a mission you didn't see where, mm. where like, the, uh, what it's like the immigration cops pull over um, a bunch of, uh, like, people from Mexico trying to smuggle into mm. the country. And then the men in black, Tommy Lee Jones and another guy show up, and one of them's an alien. And the whole way that was presented and the way it showed you that his old partner is, like, losing it, um, I was like so captivated by it, and I, I mm. have no memory of ever seeing that scene before. And I thought Tommy yeah. Lee Jones was so good in the, in the whole movie, but especially that scene of just mm. being like being a guy that rocks up and he's like, you know, just commands the scene, and it was exciting. And as the movie went on, I did I saw I reckon I've maybe seen half of this movie, but not right. a complete half, just bits and pieces over the years. And I just thought it was so good. I thought it was so fun and interesting and like it just it's just really it's really creative and uh the it, what what's interesting about the men in black series is there is such a specific 
tone to them that I don't mm. think is shared. It's not a generic director. Sonnenfelden. That's what I'm saying. It's Sonnenfelden. Do you agree? Like, there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's something to it that you don't see in every movie like it, I think. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> interesting. Because um, so I had Men in Black 2. One Christmas, I got Men in Black 2 and Spider-Man on VHS. Mm-hmm. And must have been probably Christmas of 2002. And so I'd seen Men in Black 2 maybe a dozen times. Mm. Uh, and then- yeah, it wasn't until maybe even after Men in Black 3 that I actually went and watched the first one. And was because Men in Black 2 was a famously inferior sequel. Like, people talk about it in the one same way the they greats. talk about, like, they, the same way they talk about, like, The Godfather 3 kind of thing. Ghostbusters and, 2, as, a, as people yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's, 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 I was thinking it's a very similar franchise to Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. 2. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the reboot as well is like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of in the same universe, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very, very. Um, Ghostbusters and mm. like even yeah it's, it's interesting having Men in Black 3 that it's like this is what a Ghostbusters 3 could have been had it been made at the time mm. like in the mm. 90s or something mm. and yeah it's it, it is funny that like I mean I still I'm I'm nostalgic for Men in Black 2 because it's the one I've seen the most but mm. yeah Men in Black was so good like mm. Men in Black 2 was a fun film in mm. some ways and but Men in Black 1 is like a really good film yeah, it's, in a, it's in a, a really good Solomon film. Way. And it's a really I, good film. Yeah, I remember the I saw. I think I'd seen on Reddit. It was like at the you know ten, twelve years ago, sort of thing. Like, oh, you know, what's your favorite quote from a film, sort of things. And Tommy Lee Jones' speech in this, and then and I think that was the moment they realized. I don't know if I ever watched the first one, and then mm. so I went out and watched it. Um, but yeah, man. Oh, K gives. When he's when he's still known as tell us the speech. Jay's telling him, you know, you can tell people that aliens exist. People are smart; they'll understand. And he goes, "A person is smart. People are dumb, mm-hmm. panicky animals, and you know it." Fifteen hundred years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. Five hundred years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And fifteen minutes ago, you knew humans were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. You're giving me fucking chills, Richard. You bad dog. Like, come on, man. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so it's good. It's such a good, like, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, it's almost at the level of, I think I said this to you uh, when, when I was watching it, but like, it's, at, it's almost at the level of the do you think God too lives in, it stays mm. in heaven because he too lives in fear of his own creation from Spy Kids to the Island of Lost Dreams. Uh, where it's like this quote is too good to be in this film, but it's like the film's actually good enough yeah, to have that quote in it. <laughs> yeah. Spy Kids Two is like a silly movie to have that. This is like this feels earnest. It feels such mm. a. It feels like such an earnest film that also wants to be funny and fun. Um, one moment that I really liked, similar to to that moment, um, that I was like. Oh, this that you get this in a script, and you can play it so much more. You could you could play it in so many different ways, and it almost feels like a line that you'd see in the trailer. It'd be the you'd, you've never heard of Men in Black. A trailer comes on, it plays this scene where <clears throat> um, uh, Jay is being interrogated by the other cops because he's just witnessed an alien for the first time, and he's trying to explain to them that his like eyes blinked twice, like they blinked and then they blinked again. Um, and they're, they're laughing at him saying they don't believe him. And he's just saying like, look, this is just what happened. And then they leave the room and, um, Kay walks in and he says, he's, he, you know, he, he's acting all, all shifty. And he's like, did he say anything to you? And he said, yeah, he said the world was going to end. And Kay goes, did he say when? 
And I was just so captivated by that because imagine being in that situation, right? And mm. like you don't even believe yourself. You think you're probably going a bit crazy. And then this very serious man is mm. very genuinely interested in the details of this ridiculous thing that this guy said. Mm. You know, I just I thought that was so good. That was such a good line. Do do the voice though. <clears throat> Did he say Wan? I don't not enough words. Did he say Wan? <laughs> just making him awesome. <laughs> All right, whatever daddy. you say, Slick. <laughs> yes, yes. I just do the full, <laughs> yeah. like, monologue from the end of No Country for Old Men. <laughs> yeah. I'm twice the age he was. I'm twice the age now that yeah. he ever was. That's such a good line. I'm twice the mm. age now. What, a, what I, like, talk about No Country for Old Men now, that's such a good line. Tommy Lee Jones, man. I just love Tommy Lee Jones because he looks like he's too good to be in, every, in a lot of the things he's in. <laughs> Like, I, th- I think about him playing Two-Face every now and then, and I'm just like, that's crazy that Tommy Lee Jones did that. That's <laughs> he crazy. He was able to sanction Yeah, <laughs> Jim Carrey's buffoonery. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that that Men in Black, like, if if on one side of the spectrum is No Country for Old Men for good Tommy Lee Jones films, the other side is Men in Black and Batman Forever's in the middle, where it's like... Mm. The sort of un, or maybe it's the other way. Maybe you know. Okay, Batman Forever's on the other end of the spectrum yeah, yeah. in terms of like how how seriously he's taking the role, and Men in Black's in the middle, and that's a great place to see an actor who takes himself as seriously well, as also, Tommy Lee Jones. I was reading as well that Tommy Lee Jones was one of these things where he was actually like he wanted some tomfoolery or buffoonery, mm. and oh. <laughs> like he had to be talked uh, into by the director like no no you have to play this super seriously like you right. are the straight man he was like no i want to be goofy as well but uh yeah no they, they and i mean it works the dynamic they have yeah is sonnenfeld's right um yeah, yeah is it isn't isn't will smith and tommy lee jones such an under discussed classic buddy cop duo mm. you know no one's ever talking about them two and they're great together i think yeah yeah, it's interesting to see how the idea of Will Smith has evolved as a star. Eh? Mm. Like, you you look at, you know, 1997 Will Smith, height of his fame, he had just come off Wild Wild West, and, mm. or, or had he? Uh, Wild Wild was, West was after Men in Black. Also Barry Sonnenfeld, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, did, when did that come out? I think it was 97, or maybe 98. 99. Okay, which makes sense that yeah he yeah, was yeah. um uh to the matrix to do that so same year it came out oh, but good, anyway, on that, him. <laughs> good on him but yeah that like you know just like the coolest guy on earth and like ne- effortlessly charismatic and just mm. so much fun to watch and then by and i mean you know that's still stretched by the time Men in Black 2 was out, that he was still rapping at the time, you know, he did a theme song for that one. And then I remember 2012, like, he didn't do a theme song for, he hadn't rapped in years. No, nah, uh, it's a Pitbull song. It's a Pitbull song. Back in time. And <laughs> then, you know, like, had he been in 2019's Men in Black International, like, we're getting, again, a very different Will Smith. I mean, if he was in it now, uh, again, his mm, you know the mm, public mm. perception of Will Smith has changed a lot. Mm. Again, this is one of those things that's kind of because of our age, it's a little bit lost on us. But like, how familiar are you with the conspiracy theory of Men in Black? I'd love to talk about this because 
I'm pretty. I've listened to a years ago, so I don't remember much. But I've listened to a like three part series on the Men in Black before on mm. uh, from last podcast on the left. Um, I think it's a it's a really. I think I think what's interesting about comparing like Men in Black u- ufology and that sort of thing mm. um, with the the film is it's very different totally. Like I think of mm. Men in Black historically, and I'm thinking of like um, you know like I don't know what exactly I'm describing here. But do you ever play Destroy All Humans? Yeah, yeah. You know the like news reporter vibe of that, mm. and like it's it's very much like playing on fifties uh, mm. conspiracy that sort of thing. That's not what the Men in Black films feel like, which I think mm. is interesting. They feel a lot more modern and cutting edge than yeah. the like v- the almost vintage idea I see in my mind when I think of the the quote unquote real Men in Black. But one thing I remember that's really interesting is that in uh, and I wouldn't say, again, I wouldn't say real life, but in what is officially uh, understood as ufology, men in black lore, I think the men in black are not human, which I that's what I found out on that podcast. I thought that's really interesting is that, that there's a big contingent of these conspiracy nuts where the men in black are actually alien visitors that are part of the extraterrestrial situation and not guy you know protecting our eyes from it or at least that's one that's one commonly held theory that's really interesting yeah like because it is one of these things that like you know like you think of aliens and it's like oh yeah you know that 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 idea spans but it's like the men in black film franchise has capitalized on that term so it's like you Mm. don't get other things about the men in black Mm. Of the, mm. this idea of like this this nebulous idea, um, and and in that sense, does this franchise not feel almost somewhat inevitable? Mm. Like I remember talking about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and how like a villain that haunts you in your dreams feels like as soon as we started telling stories, we were going to end up like as a species. As soon as we started mm. telling stories, we were going to end up at Nightmare on Elm Street and Men in Black permeating culture in that very specific niche way. It's like, yeah, of course there's going to be a movie about alien cops called Men in Black. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like, I mean, like RIPD is the same. It's the same thing. It's the yeah, same like, thing. Like, of course, we're going to do a film about a rest and peace department. <laughs> uh, this film was nominated for three Oscars, interestingly. One, one. Uh, one, one. Four. Uh, one, four. <laughs> it was uh, nominated for art direction, makeup, and a, a musical or comedy original score because they used to split comedy by genre. Uh, sorry, wow. so they used to split score by genre at the wow. Oscars. It won best makeup. So and that, it deserves that, it. It'd get a bug stuff you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Agar. What's what's her name? What's that actress's name? The one that plays Edgar's wife. Fran. <laughs> she Fran. looks like a Fran. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Yeah. Her her pronunciation of Edgar every time she says it is like one for the history books. It's just it's <laughs> like she doesn't even say half the letters in it. She just goes Agar. <laughs> Originally, like Five months into the shoot, Barry Sonnenfeld decided that he wanted to change the original ending to the one that's on screen. So originally it had it ended with a humorous existential debate between Agent J and Edgar. But then they were like, wait a minute, that doesn't have any of the action the rest of the film has had. It isn't very <laughs> exciting. So there was five different replacement endings discussed. Wow. One was Laurel Weaver, the um, morgue attendant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being neuralized and Kay remaining an agent. 
eventually it boiled down to the bug eating K and fighting J, replacing the animatronic bug Rick Baker's crew had developed with a computer-generated bug with an appearance closer to a cockroach, which is what we see, and it cost an extra $4.5 million. And, you know... You, it makes you wonder: Does would an animatronic like? Because there's a lot of of prosthetic mm. effects in these movies, and it looks great every time. Yeah. You like the fucking newborn baby. I always remember that baby. That was one of the scenes I'd, I'd seen somewhere mm. along my life because I remember that little alien baby's little tummy button and just being like, "That's a, that looks like a real tummy button." <laughs> it looks great, and the and you know watching this now in in 2023. The CGI cockroach is a bit, it's a bit of a disappointing ending almost yeah. because of how it looks compared to everything else. But yeah, no, what, what, I've, I've got a, and it's not enough for me to like take, take my praise of this film down much. And if anything, it's made worse in the sequels or because yeah. of the sequels. But I've got one, yeah, humbug with the film, which is that J and K are only partners for two days before K is neuralized. Mm. And I think it's it's made as I said it's made worse in the sequels because the way they talk about it in the sequels is like they were partners for ages before K got neuralized. But they're only partners for two days. Mm. And I wish there how easy would it have been to just chuck a montage in there of Yeah, I mean uh, in, in the third a couple weeks. That, that issue solved a bit because it came out ten years after the sequel one. Yeah, but. yeah, for sure. But, but, but like the way, the way they talk. Okay. So in Men in Black 2, not to jump ahead, they're like, there's only one man who can solve the problem of the mm. movie, and it's your old partner. And Will Smith is like, oh my God, this is crazy. Will Smith, Jay's been there for five, four years, four or five years by that mm. point. If you, if, if someone was like to me, you, you, you'll never guess who the person we need you to go get is. I would not think, oh, the guy that was around for my two days of orientation before <laughs> leaving and I was assigned under someone else. Like, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. I think it would have been really easy to stretch that time out, but there's there's this real, like, impetus on making it well, such a short a amount of time. Well, clock introduced as well of, like, yeah, the yeah. end of the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to uh, negate your not to – Jump forward. I am ready to move on to Men in Black 2, <laughs> if you are. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so five years later, Men in Black 2 came out. Uh, again, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. As I mentioned, it's a famously inferior sequel. What do you think it has on Roddy T's? I reckon 42. 38%. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, there's an interesting thing with the ending of, I mean, and franchise money. So there's an interesting thing. The end of the first one with K being neuralized, it's one of those classic, it's like putting Jennifer in the back of the, in the DeLorean. Yeah. It's like yeah. where they didn't think, oh shit, this really fucks us up for a sequel. Or like, did they not want to make a sequel or, or it's, what? Because it's, it's I, I refuse like, to believe this was their plan the whole time. Yeah. No, of course not. I guess sequels weren't as like, obvious back then maybe mm, but but like it's it is funny that it's like it almost feels like something you'd put in your film to screw the next director who's taking the sequel yeah, 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 so, yeah. so it wouldn't be a team it as feels as good as jj uh, abramsy mm, yeah but then barry sonnenfeld did do the sequel and the sequel is about um it's four to five years later and there is a evil alien what's the bad guy's name oh god what is she the uh, serlina 
Selena is returned to Earth after 50 years or so, 40 years, I think, to uh, retrieve something called the light. Um, she takes the, the form- The light of Zartha. The light of Zartha. She takes the form of um, Lara Flynn Boyle. And in my uh, memory of this film, I remember it having a sexy lady in it. I did yeah, not re- realize that it was fucking the woman from Twin Peaks in a very different role. I think it's very strange to see a, a Twin Peaks actor um, take on a more normie role <laughs> because Twin Peaks <laughs> is such a, a weird thing that it's like you can't really imagine these people doing anything else. But anyway, um, they, yeah, and. The only person that they think knows how to save the day, save the light, is uh, Kevin, Agent K, who's now <laughs> working in a post office. He believes he was in a coma for 30 years. Um, and so they go and uh, de-neuralize him. Um, meanwhile, Jay is feeling very lonely. He f- decides not to neuralize a young woman who's witness to an alien crime um, and sort of uh, has an affection has an affection for her. At the end, they kill Serlina and then, but then they have to send this uh, this woman back to to space because it turns out she's the light. She's the daughter of this savior race situation mm. and also maybe Kay's daughter. It's kind of not <laughs> really clear. Um, and yeah. Then they neuralized the entirety of New York City. Through the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, which was yeah originally going to be the Twin Towers. Ah, right. And you know what, dude? For as, as like, average as this movie is, especially compared to the first one, mm. surprisingly bleak ending. And I've always thought that. I've always thought that it was a, a yeah. kind of a quite a down buzz ending of him just send, them sending this woman off um, just because that's what needs to be done. Uh, and that brings me to my next point, which is I think I've seen this movie quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in contrast to Men in Black 1, I think that the Men in Black cartoon series was quite big for me when I was like seven. Yeah. And so this coming out was like, well, I have to see it because I watched the cartoon and not I have to see it because I've seen the first one. Um, so, yeah. I I feel a lot more familiar with this one. The thing that ha- the, the the moment when watching it this time that made me be like, oh my god, I remember this movie is when they reveal to um, Kay that most of the post office workers there are also aliens, and he opens up the copy or the 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 envelope swisher thing, and there's just yeah. this gangly alien in there like smoking a cigarette, and he's like, what's going on? And that <laughs> dude gets so much screen time in the nod your head black suits coming music video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about the TV series which came out between, because you mentioned that there was like one really specific thing that you had to talk about, and mm, you were hoping I would no, that was just the the fact that Men in Black were probably were apparently aliens and oh right okay right and modern yeah mythology. yeah I mean like normally we but because I mean I remember watching the Men in Black TV series a lot as well it was like a Saturday morning cartoon type thing mm. it featured it, it's it's set in an alternate timeline to the to the universe mm. to the to the film universe apparently uh, K didn't retire J is still a rookie and L who's the morgue attendant is mm. like a senior staff mm. and the worms are there those are the those guys are the best mm. and also <laughs> truly the, the 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 slimer of the men in black franchise yeah yeah <laughs> or maybe and that's the fucking uh, pug i don't know there's uh, um so edgar bug appears briefly in a flashback to his death but his twin 
Edwin Bug does appear, voiced mm. by Vincent D'Onofrio. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so. Nice. But yeah, I remember, th- I mean, th- that would be a good one for us to do t- if we can find just, you know, the first three episodes or something like that to do. For yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really follow-ups. cool. Uh, yeah, so there was, yeah, Agent Al doesn't appear. She, mm. in, in the film, they say she's she got neuralized because she wanted to go work back at the morgue and yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like, uh, feels like you really set up. That actress has really not done a lot. Like, she's clearly left the public eye. Um, like, her Wikipedia page says her, lists her date, her date of birth as like, it gives like two or three years as an option. Of like, Jesus Christ, she's not like a, a historical figure. Yeah, well, I mean, like there's some people where it's like clearly just they said in, in an interview at some point, oh, I'm 30, and it's like, well, okay, that means they were born somewhere yeah. in this time period if they're telling the truth about their age. Mm. And so, yeah, we just don't have like a specific birthday for her. But yeah, apparently the studio just didn't consider her a permanent character in the franchise after right, the so- ending of the first one. They're like, oh, we didn't think she'd actually- be we'll bring back one. the character we wrote out of the series, but not yeah. this one. Yeah, uh, but apparently yeah, there was uh, reports apparently suggesting that uh, Fiorentino, the that's her last name, uh, was difficult to work with, and supposedly Tommy Lee Jones refused to work with her. He could not sanction her buffoonery. Clearly not. Mm. Also, yeah, there was uh, the producers apparently wanted to focus a lot more on the love story between Will Smith and Rosario Dawson and mm. Sonnenfeld took issue with it saying I learned on Wild Wild West the audiences didn't want to see Will as the straight man and until Tommy comes back in the movie by definition Will's the straight man so uh, they condensed the first part of the movie and brought Kay back earlier all oh, right I don't know if that oh no actually I do have I do have comments on that can I talk about that yeah yeah I reckon big, big script doctor note from script doctor AJ for, for this mm. film. Kay should not remember who he is until the climax. Right. It yeah. should be like he gets dragged along. He's going all these things. He's the only one that can save the day. But he do- in the movie, it's about maybe like just after halfway, he gets deneuralized. Which is only by- 40 minutes into the movie. <laughs> he gets deneuralized by Tony Shalhoub. Um, mm. And... That's when he's back. But it felt very like- uh, Well, but they you- still like have a bit of fun with it being like, oh, not all his memories are back. That takes a little while. So they're like, yeah. still haven't been fuzzy. But that, do, like, do you it, agree? It that's be, not a very compelling it, story It should be engine. the other way around. It should be that it's like, because I, I get that you need him. It's like, he has information in his head that it's like, okay, well, we can't de-neuralize him, but we- needs someone that thinks like him. Yeah. So it's like that's we great. take him we take him to this place and it's like postmaster general Kevin is presented with this thing and it's like, well, okay, how how do you decipher this? And yeah. then he's like, well, yeah. it's, it's slick. Well, slick. <laughs> um, well, because one of the things he does decipher is he has a photo of himself in his pocket and then when they go to like the scene of the crime, he hmm. matches it with another photo on the wall as a clue. That's something that doesn't need him and I guess in the movie it isn't. He doesn't remember. But I don't know. Like, it's, it's yeah, it just seems like such an obvious way to go with it to not have him remember it till he, till the very moment he needs to remember everything the most, you yeah, know? But I get, the, the, though, that it's like, uh, from a marketing point of view, it's like you want your famously good duo back together as soon as possible. For sure. It's, it's a difficult thing. And what I also think that is maybe like, so you 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 open and I remember being six years old, seven years old, probably eight, seven or eight years old, and being told Men in Black Two's coming out and that Tommy Lee Jones is returning. And even at that young age, being like, 
but they wrote it not in these, you know, not articulated this way, but being like mm, they wrote him out of seen the film, AJ. Well, I knew I knew that he got denuralized. That was one well, of the things. I'm, like, I'm not sure. Well, I just I want both. I want my cake and to eat it. Um, but <laughs> like the the. Like even as a kid, thinking that was kind of weak to to bring back a character that was so clearly like written out of the narrative, um, yeah. And it is the it is the weakest part of the movie, or at least the weakest. If you if you say, do you know that? I mean, if you've never seen it, Men in Black Two, they bring K back and denuralize him. I'd be like, that's so stupid. That's li- <laughs> that's obviously just retconning, like going back on the story because you couldn't think of a better idea. The way it's handled in the movie. I think is actually quite compelling. Like the right. the way the the reason for why they need him back is a really good idea for a story. Yeah, it's not OMSK. Yeah, it's not OMSK. It's he's the only one who has this information in his head. And I really like a lot of stuff in this film. I think it's it's a great storyline to give Jay that he's lonely and that no one understands him. I think that's very well because that, also that makes, the, the part a big part of the joining the Men in Black is you have to yeah, cut all ties and exactly. So, that, yeah, so okay, deal with it's, that, it's something you know? that you breeze over in the first film. Okay, we have to get him into the Men in Black, but then yeah. second film, deal with that. Yeah. It's great. It's a good idea, and I really like that about it. And I think that the the uh, something else I really like is it, is it starts with a like old 1950s, like the story of the light mm. of Zartha, like old TV show. And we're told in the first one that things like the news of the world, which, or if you live in Christchurch, New Zealand, the coffee news <laughs> um, <laughs> is. Is that is like you know secretly actually telling you real news, but covertly. Yeah, yeah. And so these TV shows, my, my sister married an alien. That kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah. That sort of sort of thing. And so these TV shows are also part of that. This this like so silly, no one will actually believe it, but it actually does tell a story. And I think that's I loved. You know, it's a re- again a really chilling bit from um, Tommy Lee Jones is that when they're trying to refresh his memory and they show him the the this episode of this cheesy TV show and they're like the man in black gave the the gift to the whatever the alien emperor and tommy lee jones yeah and and tommy lee jones just goes it was night and it cuts to like what it actually looked like and it's like you know pouring Mm. with rain in the middle of the night it's chilling man it's a good scene it's a good scene one thing my my issue with the denuralization plot is Mm. that i think they don't do it good enough like because in the first film there's hints that like oh k left behind a life and a wife Mm. and you know, is, is secretly part of him longs to get back to that, and then I th- they they've killed off his wife, right? No, she divorced him because he yeah. he because he looks at the stars because he still ma- yeah, ra- yeah. maintains. But it's like I feel like they didn't do a good enough job of showing that he's like miserable in his new life. Mm. He actually looked quite happy with his life. Yeah, he's he's quite content, and so you're now taking that away from him, and then dooming him and for to be him in black until he dies. Until at least 2013, 2012. Yeah, no, I, but I guess like he does in the film. He's like, like the way Jay gets him is he's like, you you can't help but look at the stars at night. Yada yada. Mm. It's it's not it's not too strong, but it is it is a good point. I want to bring up as well. Uh, I think something else that kind of weakens Kay's story is across the three films, he has like a different undying love in his past in each one. So in the in the first film, the reason he wants to get deneuralized is because he misses his wife that he had to leave behind 30 years ago to become a man in black, right? Um and they say he woke up from a 30-year coma or, or whatever it is. And then in the second one, it's implied that him and the the queen of the good aliens, they had 
um, Rosario Dawson together. Like, like yeah. you know, like so he had another like undying love, and then there's another one in the third one as well. And I just think it's like these all uh, these all like I know in real life you can have multiple intense relationships but i don't know like the they present each one like yeah yeah, life is bad writing but in each one they present it like this was really the love of Kay's life and it's like for such an emotionless character such a funny thing to like be like yeah "Yeah, he's kind of like (laughs) he got around (laughs) yeah Hmm. i mean it is tommy lee jones so you know what do you expect but he's not bad did you did you see uh lincoln no with Daniel Day-Lewis. And although Daniel Day-Lewis is obviously great in the film, won an Oscar for it. Tommy Lee Jones oh, sorry, is the I thought you said LinkedIn. No, sorry. Did you see Lincoln? LinkedIn. Wasn't worth it. It's Tommy Lee Jones standout in Lincoln. Yeah, he's so fucking good in Lincoln. Interesting. He, he plays like one of the Republicans who's very staunch, like, staunchly anti-slavery and mm. then it's revealed at the end that his that his wife is black. For, I mean, I haven't seen the film since I saw it in cinemas, but like that, it's it's kind of a twist ending that it's like, wow, right. that's why he was so passionate. But like, oh my god, he's so fucking good in the movie. And it's yeah, like, cool. I came out of that being like, Tommy Lee Jones was real good, not Daniel Day Lewis was real good. <laughs> nice, yeah, cool. Yeah, you, anything else to say about the second one? I know you were a big fan of the Michael Jackson cameo. Michael, J- Michael Jackson cameo in this film is like, obviously I have issues with Michael Jackson. This is a great cameo. This is the kind of cameos that should still happen. It's fun. It's fun, Richard. He's mm. he's on the big TV talking to Rip Torn's Agent Z and he's just like, like I could be Agent M. Is that what he says? Like yeah. you should, I could of- be Agent M. <laughs> it's so funny to me because it's like how many stories are there in Hollywood of Michael Jackson begging some director to let him be this iconic character? I think he wanted to be both Peter Pan and Spider Man, right? Like, <laughs> like there's so many stories, and it, it, that's essentially what the cameo is: is him being mm. like, "Can I please be in Men in Black?" And it's like yeah. that's probably what happened in real life. He would probably meet Barry Sonnenfeld at a party. It was like, "Oh, I loved Men in Black. You gotta let me in. I could be Agent M," and he's like. You know what? That exact line is going in the movie, and also it's it's like I, as it's it's the most endeared I've ever felt to Michael Jackson that he was able to be like, yeah, I'll I'll take the implication that I'm an alien or a weird like outsider. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because there's <laughs> uh, in the films, there's like constantly you see sh- when you're in the Men in Black headquarters, you see shots of like the alien observation, and it's oh funny joke that all these people are aliens. Martha Stewart, Sylvester Stallone, to name a few. Yeah, I, I'm two. I'm jumping ahead, but in the f- in the fourth one, uh, you see a shot of Elon Musk, and then Liam Neeson mm. says, "It's always the ones you least suspect." And it's like, <laughs> of all the people to be like, <laughs> "Yeah, you'd never expect <laughs> to be like <laughs> Elon Musk." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it it is a, a fun little cameo, and uh, it, it pops up a few times in the film. What do you think of Rip Torn in these films as well? Riptorn's another actor where I'm like, how seriously are you t- taken generally? Yeah. Because it's like, he's, he has like a gravitas to him, but then also his name's Riptorn, which yeah. is like, what kind of old man actor is named Riptorn? <laughs> well, and he, he's in um, R.I.P., of course. Rip, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he's in stuff like R.I.P.D., of course. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, he has the gravitas of like an actor who did like, like a, 
Vito Corleone 50 years ago and is just sort of like relaxed into doing silly roles. Marsh Turner and Cross Creek is the role you're thinking of. Ah, oh, so there is one. I was going to say, yeah, because I think I've only ever seen him in, in shit like uh, Freddy Got Fingered. And <laughs> Patches Disney's, of Hulland. Disney's Hercules and stuff. Yeah. Have you seen, because um, when I think the only other Rip Torn thing that pops to mind is he's in The Man Who Fell to Earth, the Nicholas Rogue film. No, I haven't seen it. And yeah, he gets his, he, uh, he gets his dick sucked and- it happens for real and you see it. Excuse me? Yeah, unsimulated. You see she takes the top Rip off. Torn and- just got a blowjob for a movie. Yeah. So Damn. she like grabs his penis and he's like, it's it's like a wide shot. He's lying on a bed. She's there and she grabs his, his penis and starts putting it in her mouth and you and see the whole thing. And it's and like, then what, happens? No, what happens? You said t- tell me the details, Richard. <laughs> um. Well, the scene just ends there. Well, make something up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. So, yeah, the, the franchise lay kind of dormant after this. This is one of those franchises, we've talked about this a few times, where it's like, it feels like my entire life happened between Men mm. in Black 2 and Men in Black 3. That it's yeah. like one of these franchises I waited forever for yeah. and, and found out that, oh my God, there's a third one? Holy shit. Like, I can't yeah, believe yeah. it's been forever. And it's like- if they said, hey, we're doing Men in Black 4 now with, you know, with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, movies it's- just take way longer now. Distant sequels happen all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're also, yeah, we're less surprised by it because it just kind of happens now. Yeah. And the, the you know, the majesty's fading away from it. It was never really there to begin with, but like. I don't know. Sam Neill coming back for Jurassic World Dominion was like, oh, yay. And then I watched the film and was like, I don't care. It's actually kind of ruining the. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Character somewhat. <laughs> what is Men in Black 3? Again, read by Barry Sonnenfeld. What's it about? So this one is about... Um, and so the sort of the emotional storyline, which I thought this was a great idea, but also like kind of soul crushing, is that after now having been partners for ten or so years, Jay knows nothing about Kay's life, <laughs> and I just I was like, what an and you because you could go one way or the other, but the way they go is like they've never shared a deep and meaningful, like it's mm. just never happened, um, and. Uh, I thought that was great, and the that's at, at the beginning of the film we find out that Agent Z has has passed away, and mm-hmm. they're going to his eulogy, and Kay's speech for him is like, I knew, I worked with him for forty years. He never told me a single detail about his personal life. Thank you. And then he goes back and he's like, what the hell is that? He's like, he was a good man. Um, and there's also Agent O played by um, what's her name? Emma Thompson. Emma the Thompson. last person you'd ever expect to reprise her role <laughs> in the next one, yeah. Um, and and uh, but meanwhile, out on the moon, Jermaine Clements Boris the animal escapes it's from just Boris <laughs> escapes from moon jail. And can we can we take a moment to appreciate that like 
Vincent D'Onofrio, Lara Flynn Boyle, and Jermaine Clement, all the same kind of famous, I reckon. Mm. You know? Like, I mean, in Black Villain is a very specific casting, I think. They're yeah. all they're all like not not everyone knows who these people are, but they they did something really iconic that has meant that they have like a fan base. You know, I don't know. I who think would, it's interesting. Who, who, if you're making a Men in Black movie this year, who would you cast as the villain? Tim Robinson. Fuck, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> like he's the same kind of of thing, or or um maybe like uh um. Well, if, if it was made in 2019, which it was, uh, maybe um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like a, yeah, a popular yeah, yeah. on TV, very well respected, but not exactly burst onto the scene in a big way yet. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the kind of kind of actor, I reckon. Uh, but anyway, he's, he has beef with Kay because, surprise, there's a story in Kay's past. Um, and... Uh, he works out how to time travel and goes back in time to um, essentially 1969. Kill, to 1969 where he kills Agent K. And so Tommy Lee Jones's older Agent K is vanished from existence. Um, Jay works all this out and plots to go back in time to save him. And what we'll talk about it. I'll get through the plot first. Such a unique time travel device and so cool. Mm. So cool. <laughs> Goes back in time, uh, meets a young Agent K who's played by Josh Brolin, reuniting their No Country for Old Men um, pairing where they also don't interact with each other in the same Gen- movie. Gen- there's actually um, there's a third film. <laughs> there's well, a third there. Tommy Lee yeah, Jones, uh, Josh Brolin don't interact movie? Josh Brolin, Tommy Lee Jones interact challenge, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a real weird title. It's like called like No... No cun tree for no old cunt. men. No cunt. No cunt. It's called no, it's called no cunt. <laughs> I mean, technically they've been in the MCU together and haven't interacted, yeah. and that's like one giant movie. <laughs> in the Valley of Ela, which came out oh, the yeah. same year as No Country for Old Men. But yeah, they um yeah, three films that they're in together and don't charity screen time. That's so funny. Uh, so they they team up and Jay Jay sort of learns a bit about Kay because the younger version of Kay is a lot more chatty and he's throughout the whole film he's like man what happened to you there's one point where he says that he's 29 years old and I couldn't <laughs> tell if that was a joke or not uh, because he's obviously not 29. Well, I think scene. it's one of those things that it's like because they've established how old he is it's like. You know, because you're dealing with people that are like, wait a minute, that means that he'd have to be 29 in this film. So they just address it. And it's like, right. yeah, he's, Josh Brolin's like 40 in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they have to go stop Boris at Cape Canaveral. What's he doing? What's his plan? It's to... Uh, what is his plan? Well, no, it's it's they've got something Boris wants and they need to launch it into the space. Arc the Arknet. Oh, and yeah, they so, need so to the, launch the, it into space. Um, the, what is it? The Boglodites? Yeah. Uh, they they just destroy every planet mm. in their path. And because of the interaction he had with just Boris mm-hmm. in 1969, Tommy Lee Jones set up the Arknet, which is like a protective shield around the world. And mm. so Boris goes back in time to like stop That's him That's right, that. yes. Um, and uh, there's a, a very strange character introduced about three quarters of the way through the movie, played by Michael Stuhlbarg, who's like this weird key to everything kind of character, but is also doesn't do a lot yeah. <laughs> I felt um, and then um, the big reveal of the movie is that uh, Boris actually killed Jay's father who was working at Cape Canaveral um, and you know 
the the seeds are planted earlier in the film that Jay never knew his dad, um, and or Josh Brolin early on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Josh Brolin goes goes up to young Jay, who just happens to be there on the beach of Cape Canaveral. It's a little mm. contrived, but it's a sweet scene, so I'll let it go. Um, yeah. Where and he, and he he sort of neuralizes him and tells him that his dad was a hero, uh, and it's a pretty sweet scene. And then he goes back to um to to the future and goes to talk to. Tommy Lee Jones is back now and is like, thank you for all you've done. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, it's been my privilege. And, and Tommy Lee Jones is like, concrete triangle where dreams are made of. <laughs> yeah, he sings American. He sings uh, his American <laughs> boys. State of mind. Invest- yeah. Um, so this movie's pretty good. It's yeah. a pretty good movie. <laughs> it's, what do you I think it has think- on Roddy T's? Uh, let's go 75. 68, yeah. 60, that's lower than I would have thought. It's not as good as the first one, but it's a lot better yeah. than the second one, and it's not afraid to be to take as many risks. I think, you know, this is the second sequel, distant sequel I've seen in as many weeks, uh, which which is not usually a time travel franchise, but now it is. Now this movie is. And I think this is the better one. This is better than Indiana Jones and the dialogue. Right. <laughs> um and you know, there's a lot of similarities as well. They're both set on like Moon Day or around Moon Day. Yeah. And I see. I was like, I don't think Stuart Little called <laughs> Wild involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Time travel, but yeah, yeah. So the the way that time travel works in Men in Black Three, and feel free to uh, correct me if I get anything wrong, but you've got to get a like little device um, that uh, can only be powered by. Uh, terminal velocity so you have to go as high as you can and jump off a building or or wherever you're jumping off from and as you're falling you the, the longer you fall the further back in time you go and then you have to break the laser uh seal on the device when you're at the time period you want to go to and it'll sling you back up to where you jumped off in that time period is that is yeah. that correct? And Something so, like that, yeah. so the only the only place they can get to in New York City is the, like the Empire State Building, and they work out to get back to 1969. You have to break the laser seal when you're two feet from the concrete. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's such good stakes, you know. And like he jumps off and he's falling, and he's like watching time change because it, it's like you jump off and time starts from like year zero. So you see dinosaurs and shit mm. as you go down. And then he like goes to what like the 1950s and there's like investment. Bank who have jumped from the, the 20s building. yeah from the, the, Great oh, from the 20s yeah it's so it's such a good gag um and yeah he's like and it's just like i love the idea of a time travel method in which you risk your life like utterly mm. and completely you know like like you if you don't do this right you'll die and you'll be or you'll be in the wrong time period you know yeah it's great yeah it is um it's fun to see yeah different playing with it in different ways and stuff mm. Mm. When they started filming the film, so you know, right up until that time travel scene at the end of the first act, they didn't have a second or third act. What? Yeah, they they, they didn't have the second and third acts weren't finished. And Barry Sonnenfeld said, "Was it was it responsible? Well, if the movie does as well as I think it will, it's genius. If it's a total failure, then it was a really stupid idea. <laughs> did it do well? What are we talking? Yeah, about? It, did, it did do quite well, I think. And it, it was, it's one of the most expensive films ever made. It's in the top 50. Really? It, do- it doesn't look it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think this looks like a very expensive It doesn't necessarily look cheap, but there's a mm. there's a simplicity, I think, to the Men in Black visual yeah. style that I make. 650 million ish it made. Wow. I, I want to talk about 
Michael Stuhlbarg in this film, though, AJ. Well, if you want to, you need to tell me what his role in the film is then. <laughs> That's <laughs> he's just the like the fun, cute little guy who shows up. <laughs> no, but he's a, he's his plot device. Yeah, because so he can see every possible future Yeah, simultaneously. Mm. And he exists outside of time, essentially. Mm. Um, and I thought he was... I think he's great in the film. I think it's a fun performance. I think that Michael Stuhlbarg has this, like unmatched just like warmth to him and like totally. when i when i saw him in coin by your name which is when i was i mean i obviously seen this before that but like that was when i was really introduced to like who this guy is mm. the speech he gives at the end of that film is like oh i mean it's it's robin williams from goodwill hunting mm. and it's like yeah there's just that that warmth to him that you felt with someone like robin williams and everything they do and yeah i don't know it's just like I think he's probably just an actor that I will think is good in everything. But when <laughs> I, I, yeah. I messaged you to be like, man, how good is he in this film? And you were like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't think he's particularly good in this film. I like him as an actor, but I don't know if I, I think he kind of made me feel kind of uncomfortable <laughs> in this movie. He's got like bright blue eyes and talks like this. My main problem with it is I think he's introduced far too late into yeah, the yeah. story. Like he is treated as if he's like, the you know the he's almost treated like the MacGuffin in a film that has five other MacGuffins in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I just it's 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 the point in the movie where I started to feel the star rating drop a little bit was when right, it yeah. got wrapped up in him and it's like what are we even talking about who is this guy, um but yeah I think um it, I still think this is quite a good movie I admire it I think um I. Kind of wish Tommy Lee Jones was in it more, maybe, but I kind of mm. also like the way they deal with what was probably Tommy Lee Jones not wanting to be in this movie that much. Um, and I yeah. think that that Josh Brolin, despite starring with him in movies with him twice, is a pretty convincing younger Agent oh, K. Yeah, he's, th- he's, was- he's great. And apparently, Tommy Lee Jones wasn't a massive fan of his really? impression. Yeah. Wow. But I think, awkward. you know, that's just like something, you know, when IMDb trivia just like takes. Uh, grabs from the press junket and writes and you know tries to pass that off as mm. trivia. I think that it's just a oh, what did you think when you first saw uh, Josh Brolin's impression of you? Oh, I didn't find it very funny. <laughs> and it's like oh, that's a piece of trivia right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's a cool movie, and I, I like that it's about. Um, I like that's time travel. I think that's a really unique way to take it. There's a bit in the movie where they tell Jay that time travel is a thing, and he's like, "No, if time travel is a thing, I would know it. I'm a senior level agent." Um, and and I thought that was exciting. I liked that when you time travel, you but you really need to drink chocolate milk. Oh, that mm. was a f- fun like quirk to it. Um, yeah. What what did you think of it? What what are your yeah? Well, I, I was gonna. Say, I mean, I, I really like this film. I thought it was. It's it's another one of those films that's like it shouldn't be. The, it shouldn't be good. Yeah, and what like, what when, I also when the first sequel was bad ten years earlier, and it's like especially comedy sequels are usually shit. Some mm. Distant comedy sequels, mm. and it's like. Yeah, why why should why should Men in Black Three be <laughs> decent? Yeah, and I think as well, like the the second one, maybe it's the nostalgia talking. Didn't hate it, like thought it still yeah. had a lot of good qualities. And I, this enjoy, I enjoyed all of these films, except for uh, the next one. But, yeah. And and they're all pretty good. And you get to this point, and and I was just thinking, like, 
This is a solid franchise. Like, yeah, mm. the first one's easily the best. And yeah, you know, there are kind of glitches or whatever along the way. But like, I look at similar franchises or franchises that have had this many entries. I'm not nearly as cheery about them by this point. You know, I'm not nearly yeah. as like happy to watch Karate Kid three as i am to watch men in black three which i was really excited to check out because richard i don't think i'd seen this movie before (laughs) i think i had certainly i i here's what i think happened i think my parents got it out hide it out on dvd right in what i assume was the end of dvds um (laughs) and uh watched it and i was maybe in and out of the room because i remember boris I remember the jumping off the building time travel. I remember um, Josh Brolin, and I remember seeing the ending at Cape Canaveral and the the twist that it's his dad. Mm. But everything else, again, was like just completely – I didn't know Michael Stuhlbarg was in the movie. Um, mm. Will Arnett's in the movie. Who else? There's a lot There's of like – Uncredited cameo, yeah. There's a lot of cameos in this, in this series, I think, from people that you're like, oh, I didn't know they were in this. Yeah. My main memory of this film is – that of, of when it was out was do you remember when you go to the cinema and you would <laughs> this is a real bad story but you know <laughs> and there would be like those little booklets that tell you all the movies that are currently in cinemas mm-hmm. and you go through and i remember like or like you, they were coming out like that month or the next month and that used to be like how i would find out about some new films hmm. i went to the mall it was like me our friend david Correos and mm. a couple of other people and we used to play this game where dave would pretend to be like a confused tourist and so he would tuck his polo shirt into his shorts and then wander around the mall making in, in a very exaggerated filipino accent um pointing yeah, at the us, picture tell us what it was like <laughs> pointing at the picture of will smith in this and being like where is the movie theater I want to see the black man. I want to see man black. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good joke. (laughs) It started as like, oh, we should maybe get Dave's clearance on this joke. And then I was like, oh, I get it. Never mind. (laughs) But yeah, he was always, he always quite enjoyed playing that. Or the other thing we'd do, (laughs) just these afternoons at the mall, we would like, Dave would be walking along the like bottom floor of the mall. We'd be walking up the top floor of the mall and we would like wait a certain amount of time until there was no one around that knew that we were affiliated with Dave. And then we would like drop a piece of food down as he was walking past and he would just pick it up and eat it. And it was just like, so that you're seeing this guy to be like, did they just drop food from the first one? And then like, did that guy just eat it? Uh, this is like when we three, got there, our, our, our pranking phase. It was just you should like, have filmed uh, it and put it on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, this predates the days of those kind of social experiments. Mm, mm, mm. But yeah, no, Men in Black 3 is a good film. Mm. What do you think of Jermaine Clement? I always, I remember thinking it was like crazy that this like New Zealand celebrity is making out with Nicole Scherzinger I, in a film. The exact same thought, dude. I, when you <laughs> said, what did you think of him? That was, I was preparing to pronounce Scherzinger. It was what I was doing <laughs> in my mind. No, yeah, I think that is crazy. And it's like mm. a really like kinky make out as well because they got like oh, yeah. massive tongues. God, it gave me the fattest boner. Sorry, <laughs> I think we need to warn people before we make jokes like that. <laughs> feel like warning this is a gross episode <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna be like we have to want people like it gave me the and 
just warning, I am going to say fattest boner. Yeah. Fattest boner. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about Men in Black Cubed? I don't think so. I don't think so. Fun fact, so, you know, the, the movie opens with Rip Torn's character's funeral. Mm. He is actually playing one of the aliens at his funeral. Yeah, I wondered why, because Rip Torn didn't die till a couple of years. 2019. Yeah. And what, do you know, I thought the joke was going to be they were going to go back in time and Zed would be still in command and he'd be the same age. The same age, yeah. And, and, and just, you know, just for the, how old are you kind of joke. Yeah. Mm. He plays Zed in 2002 in, in um, Men in Black 2 and then doesn't play him in Men in Black 3, but he did make one more appearance as Zed. Uh, do you know what that was? I reckon it was like a Super Bowl commercial. You're or some, close. Something like that, right? Uh, so in 2015, so three years after Men Black 3, uh, Agent Zed, played by Rip Torn, and Frank the Pug, who we haven't mentioned but is in all these movies, although he's not in the third one, but there's a picture of him. Because he's um, presumably dead, I think, is yeah. the implication. Uh, but he's, he speaks in the same yeah. voice actor the whole time. But um, appear in an Air New Zealand safety video. That's right. Oh, my fucking God. The, the the unprovoked Men in Black safety video for Air New Zealand. What year was it? 2015. Men yeah. in Black is not... I, I, I went on so many fucking rants about this in 2015 because I took so many fucking flights in 2015. And it was just like, what the, what is culturally relevant about Men in Black right now? Well, the, the, idea, the, the idea is that the, the All Blacks are sometimes That's called the Men right. in Black. I don't think that's a good enough reason. And I also don't consider that canon, but we should watch it for Phil Bridges. <laughs> and then we just give us an excuse to go on about any Zealand safety videos. But it's so it's so good, isn't it? That like Rip Torn is the actor you could get to be in your Air New Zealand safety oh, and video. The, and whoever voices Frank the Pug. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting Tommy Lee Jones or Will Smith or Tony Shalhoub even. <laughs> Oh, you could get Tony Shalhoub. You could get Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> we'll get Tony. We'll get Tony. So, the yeah, the franchise lay dormant for a time. There was talk of a fourth film. Mm. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones both said that they'd consider appearing in a fourth film. Jones saying that, you know, we're in the swing of it now. It'd be easy to just pick it up again. Uh, Men in Black 3 did well. The chief exec of Columbia said, yeah, we'd we believe it to be an ongoing franchise and we're going to do another one. Barry Seinfeld said, Will no would get fucking way. Too, Will would get too rambunctious and Will yeah, would get too rambunctious, he'll fucking slap someone. Yeah. The, and he, he was right. <laughs> uh, Will Smith obviously wanted to put his son Jaden in the fourth film. He actually wanted Jaden to play young Jay in Winnie Black 3, but Barry Seinfeld, Seinfeld nixed the idea. And... Yeah, it was reported in 2013 that there was one being written and then just the next announcement we got was that it was being rebooted. Mm. Interesting. And that's what happened. Although there was one other thing that happened in between this uh, cancelled project, which we'll talk about and continue the franchise. The the, Zealand safety video. Yes. Oh, sorry. We have mentioned that. Uh, Men in Black International came in 2019, directed by F. Gary Gray. And what does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? I reckon like... 17%. 23%. 17%. Yeah. So what's this one about? So this one is about a British MIB agent named Chris Hemsworth. No, Agent H. Uh, and he which presumably is, stands for Hemsworth. Yeah. He teams up with Agent M, which I thought was dumb because Michael Jackson's Agent M. Like, <laughs> like there's obviously more than 26 men in black, but we only hear the names of singular letters. And yeah. I reckon you shouldn't Although, reuse- no, there is a- 
there's a double A or something, isn't there? In this yeah, one? there's a in, in this one, yeah, yeah. Or in yeah. or is Will Arnett double A, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and Liam Neeson, who's the rip torn of um or sorry, the the Emma Thompson of the English MIB, um, is Agent High T. So he's mm. a high agent. Um yeah. and they uh, Tessa Thompson is like a new recruit. It's very similar to the Will Smith storyline. Um, she's teamed up with with Chris Hemsworth, and that tr- what are they trying to do? They're trying to they they locate a weapon that can like destroy galaxies, mm. and they're trying to make sure it doesn't end up in the wrong hands. Camille Nanjiani voices a disgusting little freak in this movie. <laughs> um, and a little alien, um, and Liam. When when I'll tell you the end of the film, but first I got to tell you what the top comment was when this was the trailer for this movie was posted on Reddit, uh, which was so the trailer gets posted on Reddit. Top comment is, "What's the bet?" Liam Neeson ends up being the bad guy, and everyone responding to it was just like, "Oh my god, ah, oh, holy shit!" Of course, yeah. and and so, so Liam Neeson tasks them with finding the mole inside MIB, mm-hmm. which is a good idea for a story. I thought for mm. a, a mean and black story, um, and it, yeah, it ends up being like it is. He is the bad guy in disguise, but it's also like a possession dearly where he was possessed by um one of these one of these uh, the aliens. Hive. Uh, the Hive, thank you. Um, and what I thought was quite a clever piece of writing in this film is that everyone is saying, everyone, like Tessa Thompson's asking all these questions about Agent H and everyone's like, well, he hasn't been the same since this incident with The Hive, which was, I think, three years earlier. Mm. Um, and which is the cold what, open of the film. Yeah, and whenever people ask him about it, what does he say? He's like, we, me and Agent We went Hi- up there with nothing but our wits. And our our specific type of gun um, and save the day and he says it once and it sounds very rehearsed and then he says it again towards the end of the film and she's like no 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 tell me what happened and he says the exact same terminology and I was like that's great and the the reveal is that he was neuralized because Liam Neeson's the bad guy and and when you neuralized you are then told a story right you're Mm. told all right you you're gonna go and take her take your girlfriend to Cambodia uh you know and 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 people are left with that being as as their new reality which is one thing as well just sorry to back up but like in the third film when you at the end when he neuralizes him and says your dad was a hero your daddy was a hero that it's like uh, yeah that that is it's not just like oh you know people always told me he was a hero but i didn't believe them but it's like the idea of neuralization is that it's like that becomes your sole truth mm. you know nothing, nothing will ever change that for you so it's like yeah, it's cool that Jay grew up rather than just being like, oh, my, my dad was this deadbeat I never knew. It's like, I know my dad was a hero. I just wish I knew more about him. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was a clever way to like play around with the the law set up by the deneuralizer because mm. that, that, I worked it out before Tessa Thompson works it out, right? right? That it's like, oh, he's using very specific wording and you can it doesn't show you the scene, I don't think, but you can so yeah. imagine him being deneuralized and Liam Neeson being neuralized. like- so neuralized and Liam Neeson being like, yep, we came out here with nothing but our wits and our da 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 da. And, and you know, it's a, it's a good idea. It's a good way to, to, to experiment with the familiar um, items, I think in the story. Uh, and then, yeah, they defeat Liam Neeson. Who's, a hive monster, but the, again, it's like a position kind of situation. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember that. Yes, the trailer made it very obvious that yes, this was going to happen. I remember seeing that on Reddit, and then I remember when the film came out, just looking at 
comments and people being like, the thing that you think happens in this film happens in this film. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, yeah. So, and that was the confirmation I needed. And so, yeah, I didn't watch this when it came out. It came and went in cinemas. Yeah, yeah. Without anyone really noticing, I don't think I know any single person other than you that's that watched the film. I heard. Can I say something I've heard about this film? No. Or would that okay? I heard that, <laughs> that uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson hired writers to beef up their dialogue on this. Yeah, film. so they had writers on set with them. This is like famously troubled production. This one, yeah, if yeah. Gary Gray tried to take his name off it a bunch of times, um, there was uh, apparently the, the script was incredible, and people and you know like people have said you know you don't attract Hemsworth and Thompson without having an incredible script. It was right. the villain was like a a band with four members that was a riff on the Beatles and the, and at the end they joined together to make one big monster. Right. Um, the producer who was, um, well, Parks, I don't know the, uh, the producer of the film, um, clashed with F. Gary Gray a bunch of times and, you know, scripts were just constantly, constantly getting revisions and apparently Parks, stepped in on directing duties, although apparently no DGA rules were said to have been violated. And then even when it came down to color correction in the in the um, edit, they were mm. bickering over this. And the studio made two cuts, one which was F. Gary Gray's cut, one that was the producer's cut, and the producer's cut is the theatrical one. Right. Interesting. Yeah, um, uh, but it's funny. Yeah, there, there was this. I remember hearing at the time that yeah, there's this famous thing of that they they got their writers on set each to help them beef up their dialogue, and I'm so glad they did because then we get things like when she's being recruited and she's the montage of getting her stuff. She picks up one of her guns, taps it, and goes, "Uh, check, please." <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe that line. <laughs> this is the like this is the shit I would do to only make myself laugh. It's like and and yeah, like uh, Tessa Thompson's writer being like, "Oh, sorry, just um, I just can I just have a word with Tess? Um, try check this please. take. You should say check, please, because it's like when you're in a restaurant. <laughs> you know, I just think that would be really please. funny. <laughs> I just, I just thought it'd be real funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, I'm good. I'm go, go speaking. For speaking of Thompson, Emma Thompson returns in this film, and I just think that's interesting that you'd get the the random character from like like the character well, the from the head third of one. And Black. Yeah, no, it's just it's. I guess it's like. You see that it's got a new cast and you think they're not going to, it's going to be entirely almost like separated from the original trilogy. But then it's like this like tie to the third film as part of it. I thought that was interesting. You do also see a painting on the wall of yeah. J and K fighting a termite, uh, which I, my th- first thought with that was like, I don't think the men in black would like immortalize stuff that happened. Like, isn't that the whole point mm. is that nothing is kept, you know, out of the open, maybe? Mm. And also, know. like, that wasn't the biggest thing they did, necessarily. Yeah, like. yeah exactly, exactly. Um, I didn't think this was that bad. <laughs> I, thought this was, I thought this was so bad. I thought it was okay. I don't know. I think the, the only real thing I didn't like was Kamal Nanjani's character, but then I kind of just went along with it and got into it. I was like, That's, yeah, whatever. He's such an AJ character. Ah, oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, a know, gismal. What a gismal! Which, yeah, which is my um, 
Oh, right. That are Asian. Asian. <laughs> Asian. Asian. Ajismal. Um, what, what's wrong with this movie? I'm not, let me clarify. I don't think it's a great film. I think it's more or less a retread of the first film uh, and not as good. But I don't know. I didn't think it was that well, bad. Well, my, my issues with it are more that I can't name anything good about it. It's, it's guess- such a flat, flavorless, bland movie. And mm. it's a, it's one of those movies that, like, watching it, I remember there were bits in it that I remember, oh, this was in the trailer. And, wow, they thought this was the funniest part of the movie. <laughs> it's like, it probably is. It's, it's not. Mm-hmm. She's just saying, check, please, like you do in a yeah, restaurant. Like but, you do in a um, restaurant. Do you get it? <laughs> I don't think you get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, like. And also, yeah, just Hemsworth and Thompson. I also hated the fact that they put rom- uh, romance between Thompson and Hemsworth. And it's, it's interesting because obviously- Is, Do they? Re- yeah, she's all fucking goo-goo gaga over him the whole movie. I mean, not necessarily romance, but there's a, an attraction. Right. And I think that I'm so used to- Because the, the, it was obviously, oh, we're getting the pair from the Ragnarok that worked so mm. well. And they're platonic and completely platonic in that. And I- Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was like- a betrayal for Tessa Thompson to be playing like all googly eyed. Who is over it? Was Chris it? Hemsworth. Was it? Um, Anna Paquin and I want to say Bill Paxton played father and daughter in Fly Away Home, and then ten years later they did a sex scene together in another movie. Oh wow, that's fucked up, eh? Yeah, yeah. I don't that's- know. Like I just. It's it's also just like uh, it might not be Bill ca- Paxton. I shouldn't have seen. <laughs> Who's in Fly Away Home? Is it Dennis Quaid? Jeff <laughs> um, uh, Daniels. Jeff Daniels. It's Jeff Daniels. There's an insight into the my brain and the different categories <laughs> of actor that I have. And then she has a sex scene with Jeff Daniels. Yeah. And what? Um, the squid and the whale. Just looking up Jeff Daniels Anna Paquin sex scene. I'm like, oh, here's a clip to um <laughs> Let me just go on this website X Hamster. It says that it's got it's it'll tell me what I need to know. Yeah, that's um that's pretty kooky. That's pretty fucking kooky, dude. Like that makes me wanna uh nod my head. That, that, tell you what, tell you what, if I had to do a sex scene with someone who I once pretended was my dad, I'd want to get those memories neuralized right away. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, I, I think it's just so boring to be like, oh, we've got Chris Hemsworth and guess what? All the girls are going apeshit over him. Mm, mm. It's like, yeah. And or, like watching the film, because it's very much, you know, oh, there's a mole and I don't know that much about Agent H. I'm like, it'd be more interesting if Agent H was the villain. Mm. I did like that there was the snidey British dude who ended up becoming their friend, though. I thought that was sweet. Yeah, the Rafe Spall. Rafe Spall. Yeah, thought he did well. He did a good job. I always love a good, like, we hate each other, but we realize we're on the same side kind mm. of thing in a movie. That's always fun. When I so different, you and I. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch a movie that, yeah, just, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a franchise ruiner, really. That it's You reckon? Yeah, I mean, we had like a quite a neat, nice little trilogy, and now it's like, oh, yeah, there was also this spinoff that they tried that didn't mm. at all work. I see it more as like, You've you've had a really nice dinner, and you got a drink with it, and the drink was pretty good. But if, you know, if you had to pick between the two, you'd go with the the dinner, obviously. And then you have this other dessert that's just like a wafer, 
and you're like, ah, oh, it didn't ruin the dinner, but it didn't really like, I didn't, I didn't really need it. <laughs> That's how I feel because you were like, hey man, What's you're really uh, the sequels, I guess. <laughs> both, <laughs> both sequels, is that okay? I had two drinks. <laughs> um, I yeah, like. I guess it's because you you messaged me and you're like, buddy, you're gonna have to go out to bat for Men in Black International, and I was like, no, <laughs> I just don't, I just, I just didn't, I don't, I don't like it enough to go out to bat for it. I just mm. didn't think it was like, like this, this is the time period where we had films like Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and yeah. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Those are bad movies, mate. Like those are, yeah. those are like, Dominions. oh my god, Dominion's even much worse. I agree. I agree. But, but, you know, it's still the, these, there was 2018, 2019, yeah, true, true. those films. And compared to those, I think this is pretty passable. It's not, I don't think it ruins the franchise. Well, I think this it, one doesn't have anything I really actively hate in it, but there's just nothing I remotely like in it. I'd argue that's, a, that's better than it being something like, Crimes of yeah, Grindelwald. No, yeah, though. sure. Like it's better than a bad movie, but I just <laughs> I have nothing. So you to admit s- it. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh! uh, yeah, it's, but it's just crazy that you have like two, you know, a, a, a franchise that's a fucking. It's yeah, it's an aliens. You know mm. what I mean? That it's like this. It should just be a slam dunk. You put two charismatic actors in it. Yeah, and it's yeah. I I remember thinking when it came when it was first announced and came out and stuff. Because I think it was originally just announced as just being called MIB and then it mm. was changed to Men in Black International. But I do um, – that, that it's – you have a a franchise which, like, the stakes of it is the world, if not the galaxy, and then in the, in the spinoff you're like, that's right, this time we're going international. And it's like – the stakes were already bigger than this. <laughs> I guess it's internet. The, the point of it is that it's like we're seeing other countries. Yeah. Well, we see one other country's men in black. It should just yeah. be called men in black United Kingdom or something. London, like, yeah. You mean in black London? Yeah, yeah. So that is all the films we have. I guess for they now. go to like they go to like Mozambique and stuff. And, yeah. yeah. So there was quite notably a film which almost happened called MIB 23 which would have been a crossover between Men in Black and the 21 22 oh, Jump Street franchise. That's right. Um so it was when the Sony hack of 2014 happened it was this was how it was discovered that it was being talked about at some point. Lord and Miller then did who directed the first two Jump Streets did an interview and said yeah that it confirmed it. James Bobin was announced as the director who directed the Muppets and yeah, then the work just apparently ceased. There's an interview with Channing Tatum where he asked where they asked about it, and he was like, Yeah, you're preaching to the choir when the interviewer said that they'd love to, for it happen. So I still think it could work, I really do. And if Sony would ever like really, I think, do the hard work and figure out the producer problems that are inherent with that film, I think we can still do it. But right now, I don't know why they're just not motivated to do it. It's a big overhead on that movie. So mm-hmm. And then he later described MIB twenty three as Buying away the best third sequel to any franchise that I've ever read in my entire life. Oh, funniest script. One of the funniest scripts I've ever read. I would not say that if I did not really believe it because I don't like being wrong, like specifically about that. (laughs) I believe him. I believe him. I, Channing Tatum, I believe that you think it's funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then he said, though, they were trying to make it all the deals, but it's kind of impossible with all the Men in Black stuff. The Jump Street films were so fun to make, and the whole joke of them was that they were making 
making fun of sequels and remakes and reboots. And now it's gone and become a giant sequel reboot. It's almost become what we were making fun of. And so it's hard to maintain that joke when it's so high stakes. Although, sorry, I think that was, um, that might have been Jonah Hill. But yeah, and, and Jonah Hill said, no, it's not going to happen. That was oh, just what are some other things out. that Jonah Hill have said? Said recently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. Yeah, but just, I mean, Jonah Hill doesn't, I mean, other than the stuff that's come out recently, he doesn't really seem to like acting anymore. So, don't know if it all, um, yeah, I, I, I'm so disappointed that MIB 23 isn't happening. I mean, mm. I, I mean, especially like if the franchise had laid dormant and Men in Black International hadn't happened, that it's like, God, what a perfect marriage of two films. Like, Yeah, right. Taking up that it's like well yeah twenty one twenty two Jump Street are, are, are incredible films I think they're so good and so funny such a great dynamic that it's like well where do you go next obviously the um, credits for twenty two has like all these potential ones but it's like yeah it would just it it it's a million dollar idea it would, it would just it would just work mm, mm. yeah and you team them up with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones Ugh. ah. Done and dusted, mate. <laughs> yeah, we no, can't I have think- you around here finger popping each other's assholes. <laughs> so, is this? Um, are we in continue the franchise right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Here, do you want to know my continue the franchise? Yes. All right, we're going direct sequel to Men in Black International, a film I loved, Richard, and I'll go out to <laughs> No, I think I, I like. I'm inspired by the titling scheme. Of you know it's mm. it's it's you know they've switched to subtitle now and I think naturally and and a place that it leads me to is Men in Black Universal or something like that right, and so let's name it after the studio name it after the studio there's an alien at Universal Studios <laughs> and let's good. just say there's more than one if you know because Hollywood be crazy and the reason why. Most of them mm. are aliens. Harvey Weinstein, alien. alien. Kevin Spacey, alien. Get back Sonnenfeld. They've got a great rapport. <laughs> um, I think one set in space. We we sort of saw a peak of that with the, the prison moon, but mm. it makes sense that they're, they're – and, and I do like that they are, like, earthbound. I, I do like that about that, but we're on movie five. We can experiment a little bit, I think. Yeah. So let's get – Two new actors. We can. I haven't got anyone in mind, but feel free to give me suggestions for who you think would be a good buddy no, you duo. Have to do it. Come on. Okay, give me, um, give me Alia Shawcat. Be a good Men in Black mm. character. No, no. You don't like Alia Shawcat? No, no, I'm not particularly. Oh, okay, well, fine. She's not in the movie, Richard. That's how much I love you. Is that Alia <laughs> Shawcat is cut from the film? Um, who's go- who are good buddy pairings already? Who have we seen that works? Um, Will Smith and uh, Jolly Ma- Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, Bad Boys in Space, <laughs> Men in Black in Space could be the title. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought one thing that could be cool is if Rosario Dawson is in it and she comes mm. back and we get an update on that kind of bleak ending to Men in Black 2. Uh, yeah, that's what I think should should be. Nice. A, space, a space-bound mission. Thank you for that. My continue the franchise is a crossover with – the rest and peace department. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, no, I mean, and then like, at the end, the Ghostbusters show up. 
Now, uh, well, I was thinking, you know, inspired by MIB 23, what other buddy cop duos could uh, end up working in Men in Black? And I thought, how fun would it be to see... I'm going to actually grab the characters' names. Uh, Holland March and Jackson Healy take on, uh, don those black suits and Ray-Bans. I'm causing, talking, of course, about Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe from oh, The Nice right. Guys. Oh, right. The Nice Guys. I thought you were going to say Ryan Reynolds from um, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> just from Bristol <laughs> Pins Department. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. Nice. Oh, yeah. So we have been doing, that's how I continue the franchise, but we've been doing, uh, we've had a, a segment uh, that we've started to do Emerge more regularly. from pure persistence from the, the person <laughs> responsible. This is, uh, I mean, we should come up with a name for it, but it's like, it's like predate the franchise. So Men in Black based on a series of comic books and uh, living proof that aliens walk among us. Rachel has uh, <laughs> has gone is that through her and title read all this week. I've got I've got a good title for Rachel that we could we could do uh, our new unpaid intern Rachel, a <laughs> research assistant Rachel. <laughs> yeah, who does again more work than we do mm. for this? But yeah, read all through all of the comics and watch all How the movies. How many are there? In the last two weeks. Uh, that's a good question. Men in Black. Okay, I'm on the page for Men in Black International. Part mm-hmm. of the Men in Black film series. Yes, well, we're looking for the comic book series. Um, based on the Malibu slash Marvel comic book series, The Men in Black by Lowell Cunningham. Mm. There is six issues. Okay, nice. Easy. So, yeah, Rachel has uh, made put together a handy list. So, broad strokes, the in the films- so These the are the differences between- the source material in the movies. Yeah. So in the films, the Men in Black only monitor and deal with aliens, many of whom live and work alongside people on Earth. And I th- actually, one of the, you talked about New York, but one of the Sonnenfeld changes, I think, was moving it to New York because they were like, fucking New Yorkers don't know what's going on. They won't care if people look like freaks. Mm. But then the in the comics, they take care of either neuralizing or destroying all paranormal activity on Earth. Um Right. And it's not in the films as well. It's like Earth is the safe haven for all aliens. It's like a refugee camp sort of mm-hmm. thing. And in the comic books, they just want to give them all off planet. And there hasn't been any contact from aliens from different galaxies. One of the most interesting things is that J and K don't have that sort of begrudging mutual respect. They just fucking hate each other. Interesting. The whole time. Well, I don't hate that. I think that's still pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, so Jay actively hates Kay and wants to be nothing like him, and Kay is patronizing at best and seems to be very entertained by causing Jay physical and emotional pain. That's good stuff. I'm happy with the movie we have, but that's I don't I don't hate that dynamic. I think that's interesting. Mm. Jay's a lot more reluctant to join the uh, organization. Um, the Edgar stuff is all in the comic books. Oh, wow. Um, Rachel's gone through, has given me three, four pages of docu- mm-hmm. of um, notes, which is very interesting. And maybe like we'll, we'll just pop uh, Rachel's notes up on the Discord as well, because I think that people will be um, mm-hmm. intrigued to read them. But yeah, just the. Or even notes. if we don't read them all now, we could read them for uh, the next Elder Zip or something. Oh, she probably should yeah. be an Elder. For, I don't know if she is. <laughs> uh, Zed is an unseen character. Um, and. 
Jay's white in the comics. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. There was also a reboot called Men in Black Far Cry, which is only one issue. And it's sort of... Uh, it's It came out at the same year as the movie, and it's sort of like trying to be a little bit closer to the movie, it seems like. Right. Um, and... They also get around using the tube, which is um, pneumatic tubes for humans similar to Futurama. Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Thank you so that- much, Rachel. I'm sorry I didn't read uh, all of those notes, but yeah, I think we should make them available to be read because they Let's are start. very interesting and very well written. Well, Richard, now all we've got to do, baby, baby boy, the love of my freaking life, is rank dat franchise over at uh, letterboxd.com uh, slash, uh, what are we talking, cult popshire lists, maybe. We've got a list of all the franchises we have ever covered, um, all 178 of them, and we have got to rank Men in Black amongst the masses. What are you thinking, man? Um, I think this should go... Uh, this is above the Nymphomaniac constant? I think this has got enough good value to be above the Nymphomaniac constant, yeah. Yeah, I mean, between us, we liked all of them. So the Nymphomaniac constant <laughs> being the halfway point for like where it switches from being bad movies, bad franchises to good mm-hmm. franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is, is currently it, at 85. Yeah, I mean, I think it's decently better than that. Let me throw some movies out to you. Tell me if you think they're better, it's better than. Yeah. Um, the Meet the Parents franchise. Uh, yes. All right. The Blade franchise. Yes. All right. The National Treasure franchise. Oh. You're similar territory. Okay. Above National Treasure, we've got Happy Feet. And then above that is Night at the Museum, Kung Fu Panda, which we're getting to like pretty solid territory. I yep. think I'm going to put it above Happy Feet, below Night at the Museum. Above Happy Feet, below Night at the Museum, making it our 62nd best franchise we've ever watched. Every time I do this, I see how high we ranked Jaws, and I get so confused as to how Jaws got into place. 59 for being a pretty, like a great film. With no good sequels, I don't know why we've ranked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna drag Jaws down. No, no, we, no, we, we have to wait for the re-rank episode. Oh, the re-rank episode that we've been talking about for two years. Uh, unable to ch- save changes. All right, well, uh, take it up amongst yourselves, everybody. Because <laughs> the unable to save changes, the list has changed since this page was loaded. Please refresh. I, I, I moved it. Oh, because I'm, I'm, I've saved Men in Black. Okay, well, doesn't matter. I don't know what Dumbass. I'm doing here. All right, so now it's time to reveal the next franchise. And AJ, I believe it's your turn to make me guess. Yes! All right, so this is Franchise Roulette, everybody. Where I hate when I'm the one who doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, where we are going to draw a random number with Richard's random number generator. And that is going to correlate to a list um, and we're going to cover a franchise on that list. Richard, give me the random number between 1 and 101. 35. 35. Fran- franchise number 35 is a a six film franchise. Oh, I think it I think it that. I think it might be seven now. Let me check. 
I think we've we've maybe looked at um, doing it before, but then saw a new one was coming out. Oh, uh, Paranormal Activity. Correct. It is Paranormal Activity. <laughs> God, you got that pretty quick. Um, yeah, so how many Paranormal Activity films are there? Are there seven or six? Um, oh, no, did that one come out? <laughs> yeah, I think so. S- series. Okay. Um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven Paranormal Activity movies, Richard, that we've got to watch over the next two weeks. They include... <sighs> Paranormal Activity, Paranormal Activity 2, Paranormal Activity 3. You're not going to believe this. Paranormal Activity 4. Then Paranormal Paranormal Activity 5. No. (laughs) Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, and Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, which came out in 2021 most recently. Um, So, you know, from aliens to ghosts, that's where we're going for our next franchise tune in next franchise fortnight for for that for us covering the paranormal activity franchise um and i believe is not based on a book so rachel you get a fortnight off off. (laughs) you're welcome um yeah do we what else do we need to do we want to talk about it so if you if you guys enjoyed this episode please consider liking us following us on instagram and twitter you can also donate to our patreon which gives you all sorts of rewards including stuff that's coming up next uh and you also should check out our discord some case come some k high in the discord uh and we'll say hi to you back because we are pretty active in that discord you and i yeah a lot of good friends we've made in that discord really blurs the line between fan and friend and often <laughs> it skews toward friend and makes me feel like we have no fans Succumb, be part of the problem. Well, as soon as you as soon as you become a fan, you also become my friend. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that is all over there, and stay tuned for the post credit scene, which is coming at you after this music ends. Um, here come the men in black. Nod your head. Black suits are coming. Welcome along to the. Oh, I should have done a neuralizer joke. Like, I don't know. Forget I can't it. Think of one. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. I neuralized that moment. Welcome along to the post-credit scene. There's a segment at the end of each episode where you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash pops. You get to give us something to talk about in this post-credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it? Today's one comes to us from Joshua Cole who says, what is your favorite bird? I love. Oh, very good. Very funny. Hmm. I love little ducks little ducklings i love ducks i i want a ducks if, if i didn't have cats i would get a duck like wow. straight up i want a pet duck real bad okay okay sorry i don't know you like, love have you, i don't know appa- you wanted to have sex with ducks so bad <laughs> apparently dude. ducks are like really like affectionate as pets and like love pets and cuddles and stuff i've and seen like, the tiktoks i've you, seen the tiktoks get, and like you get them the little ice water from starbucks oh my yeah. god Fuck, I would love a duck so much. Well, I'm sorry. I picked duck. You've got to pick another <laughs> well, okay, bird. okay. I'll pick some dumb, air, <laughs> dumb bird. I'll here. pick, like, vulture. <laughs> <laughs> Ibis. <laughs> You've sicked your vulture on me. <laughs> <laughs>